This is Annex Wealth Management presents WTMJ Conversations 2023, sponsored by Smart Spaces. Now back to the show. Indeed, welcome back. Steve Scavidi on WTMJ. Love this day-long interviews, game changers, newsmakers. Our next guest qualifies as well from the Wisconsin State Assembly, Speaker Robin Voss. Welcome. Do we have him? Speaker Robin Voss? Good morning, Steve. There How are he you? Is. There he is. Good to have you on the program. I'm going to start with this one. I, yesterday, I said this last week, but I said it again yesterday. And I know this is uh, a bit self-serving. Are you the most powerful politician in the state of Wisconsin? <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm, on. I am one of a few people who's given a chance to make a difference, and I'm very proud of that. All right, let's get to the budget. That's that's something that my listeners and fans of the show always want to talk about. So the governor was just in studio. We talked about his ideas, his priorities. What are your priorities for this budget? Well, let's start by saying um, I think the governor and I live on different planets because the budget that he crafted is literally devoid of reality. It has massive tax increases, a 25% increase in spending, um, you know, does all kinds of crazy things. It, it's dead on arrival. Now, are there some good ideas inside the budget that we'll take a look at? Yeah, there's always good ideas in everybody's concepts. But uh, let's just start with a few basic assumptions that your listeners need to know. We have a record one-time surplus. So think about it this way. We have about $7 billion in our savings account, and in our checking account, we have $1.2 billion going forward. So mm -hmm. if you're going to give a raise to an employee, you want to do it out of your checking account so you can keep paying for it every single year. You don't use one-time money to do that. Um, we have some major challenges. Uh, number one, um, Governor Evers, and I think rightly so, uh, gave a pretty sizable increase to correctional officers um, using one-time federal dollars because we have a real retention problem in Wisconsin's prisons. That's about a $400 million price tag just to keep the correctional officers at the same pay scale that they have right now. Right. So remember, we only have $1.2 billion in ongoing money, and a third of that's already gone just to pay the same salary for correctional officers. So this idea that we're going to have a billion for this program and a million for that program, it's just literally fantasy. It's not going to happen. But what we have to do is to say with our one-time resources from our savings account, how many of those can we make investments in? Probably a, a better time to pay cash as opposed to borrowing where interest rates are up. Uh, that makes sense. Giving one-time money to fix our roads, that's something I agree with the governor on. So I think there are some things we'll be able to find consensus on, but this idea that we're going to give massive increases in spending, even for very important priorities, is just devoid of reality. We're probably entering into a recession. Uh, the federal government's doing as much as they can to make that happen. So we don't want to overspend knowing that we're probably going to have even less revenues than are projected. Let me ask you about the surplus, because that's the one thing that the listeners of the show always talk about. In, in terms of a tax cut, the governor said he, he proposed, and, and, I, and I read his proposal, some of it, because it's 1,800 pages long, um, a 10% tax cut. What might that look like, not only with your proposal, but with the governor's sign-off at some point, what might we expect as taxpayers? Well, number one, um, the governor had just about as many tax increases as he had tax cuts. 
So all the tax increases are dead on arrival. We are not going to raise taxes on anybody in Wisconsin. Um, so that gives us less flexibility than he has, because if you're going to raise taxes on some, it's easier to create tax cuts for others. Um, but under his proposal, he did it with a lot of tax credits and things that are directed to an individual based on some different criteria. I want everybody who pays taxes to get relief, not just people who we happen to agree with politically or think that are more deserving than somebody else. I think everybody deserves tax relief. So I think that'll be a focus of our efforts. I also want to make sure we hold on property taxes. In Governor Evers' budget, he actually had some of the largest property tax increases in a decade. He would allow local governments to have a new spending referenda with higher sales taxes and more property taxes. I think that's bad for Wisconsin, too. So I think we're going to focus on ensuring that we have a reasonable tax climate like we have in the past decade and not do things that will make our situation worse as we try to attract people to Wisconsin. Uh, The governor said, and I've heard from other leaders around the state, that the shared revenue discussion is moving in a positive direction. Is that your takeaway? Yeah, I mean, Republicans really led the way. We're we're happy that Governor Evers copied our homework. Um, So we have been working hard to try to see where it's possible for us to be able to increase revenues for local government. Again, Governor Evers would create new tax increases and do it in a way that certainly is not something Republicans are going to support. But the idea that local governments have to pay police officers and, and garbage collectors and everybody else more because of the inflation caused by Washington, that's a reality we all have to live with. But again, it's just important for us to remember, Steve, that we don't have anywhere near the money that Governor Evers thinks we do because of all of his tax increases, which are dead on arrival. So we're going to invest in schools. We're going to invest in local governments. We're going to focus on things that are important priorities, but probably nowhere near the unsustainable levels that Governor Evers has proposed. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss joining us on WTMJ Conversations. I spent some time with the governor this morning talking about divided government. We have split Senate. We have a very liberal senator and a very conservative senator. We have, obviously, Republican-led legislature. You're part of that leadership and a Democratic governor. And examples across the board of, of divided government in the state of Wisconsin. In your mind, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it certainly means that things go a lot slower. So, you know, if I had my choice, of course, we'd have Governor Michaels. We would have the same robust reforms that we had under Governor Walker, where we led the nation in job growth. We led the nation in a balanced budget and reforming how things happen in our state. That's kind of been stymied by Governor Evers, who more or less has kind of taken a, a, a less uh, a less intensive approach. Um, I think you know is kind of a laid-back style. There's not a whole lot that's going to change under Governor Evers. It's kind of steady as she goes. Um, Maybe people are okay with that, which is what they decided in the last election. They Mm -hmm. did not want a bold reformer. But I think now divided government means we still have to pay the bills. We still have to get things done. We still have major challenges. But the difference is, um, and I think I've been saying it as publicly as I can, we have tried to hit the reset button saying we want to find consensus. Governor Evers has still been pretty doctrinaire liberal. I mean, the budget that he introduced wasn't one that said, geez, I hope I can gain Republican support. When you have a 25% spending increase, more tax increases and tax cuts, that's not really based on the reality of divided government. So I hope he accepts the fact that you don't just get to have a liberal wish list and people go along with it. Um, But maybe at the end of the day, I hope divided government will allow us to find some good consensus that can last for the long term. But as of today, this budget versus previous budgets, do you think you're in a better place than you were last time? 
No, I think the last budget, frankly, was better. Um, now, granted, we have one-time money, um, which is a bonus. So we have about $7 billion of one-time revenues. Um, the last budget actually allowed for a lot higher ongoing revenues, which let us do an increase in spending for schools, a, a massive reduction in taxes, all good things that helped, frankly, to create the surplus that we have today. Now, with a fraction of that money as ongoing revenue, as I said, heading into a recession, I think, frankly, we're worse off than we were two years ago for the ongoing number. Now, the, the money in our savings account, that's certainly a blessing, and we have to be smart as we invest it, but not in, in growing government or in making things more expensive, which, of course, will be really challenging uh, if we don't do it right for the next budget. Both of us in southeastern Wisconsin and other big cities in the state are, are always talking about crime, reckless driving, and many of the issues of gun violence. How is the legislature post-budget going to look at some of those issues? Well, first of all, we have to treat criminals like they're criminals. Um, they are not somebody who's had a bad day. They are not somebody who needs to have a second chance before they've paid their debts to society. Uh, we see this liberal running for state Supreme Court where she basically has a revolving door in her courtroom. I mean, that definitely has to be stopped. So the first thing we have to do is recognize reality, which is that when somebody commits a crime, they need to be arrested. They need to go to jail, and they need to serve their sentence, hopefully learn their lesson, and never repeat the offense. Um, I know under the last four years, we have had kind of a catch-and-release policy, especially in places like Milwaukee. That has a negative impact on the rest of the suburban area. Look what happened in Waukesha. We see the same thing in the city of Racine, where we have many similar problems that affect the suburbs there. So we need to have, first of all, a tough-on-crime policy, which says, and one of the proposals introduced by my colleagues, uh, Representative Mahalski from Brookfield, would say that if if you commit a crime with a gun, there's a guaranteed mandatory minimum sentence. So we start to say, if you're a violent criminal, you need to go away to prison and learn your lesson. Uh, that's not what's been happening. So I think we need to take crime seriously. We need to ensure that when somebody commits a violent offense, they go away for a good long time and that we don't forgive them because they perhaps had bad circumstances. For the, uh, the, the citizens of these cities that are plagued by, in some, in some cases, uh, high incidents of crime, does that tough on crime policy mean more more money for police officers I would love that. Yeah, that's one of the priorities that we want to do is we have our focus on shared revenue. Um, you know, I, certainly there are a ton of needs, but if you think about the city of Milwaukee, the city of Racine, uh, other urban parts of the entire state, much less southeastern Wisconsin, if you don't feel safe, Everything else is secondary, right? I mean, you need to have that as the primary focus of local government to ensure that if you call 911, police are there. If you have something that occurs in your neighborhood, the police investigate it and hopefully don't let it happen again. Uh, we have seen, unfortunately, in the city of Milwaukee and other urban areas, they have defunded the police. They have disinvested. And I think that's a mistake. So as we give more money for shared revenue, we are going to ensure that it goes to things like public safety so that people can continue to feel safe no matter matter where they are, visiting or a resident. One of the other big things that we talk about here in the state is uh, election integrity. I, I want to rehash everything that we talked about. I've made my position very clear. I think we spent a lot of money with not a lot of results, and you can disagree if you want to. But after all of this last two-plus years, what's changed? We still have a WEC. WEC will, that, will that remain? What will look different? We obviously have the ballot box decision. That's changed somewhat the, the manner of voting. What has changed? What did we learn? Well, number one, what I've learned is that the only people who are still obsessed about 2020 are liberals. Um, they have accepted the fact um, that they believe 
bad things happen. Look, do I think January 6th was a good idea? No. Do I think it was an insurrection? Absolutely not. That's a gross exaggeration of what actually happened. Do I think that there were problems in Wisconsin's elections? I certainly do. Uh, was the election stolen? Was it somehow you know, rigged? That is certainly something that most people do not believe. Look, the 2020 election is as ancient history as the Civil War. It doesn't matter. It's in the past. So I want to move forward. I still think we need to fix some of the things with our elections. I think we need to do a better job of ensuring that people know that their vote is going to be counted in a way uh, that guarantees that whoever wins does so legitimately. I think if you look at the 2022 election, we saw a Republican and a Democrat win statewide. I think that that helps to instill confidence that we know that there was not some kind of rigging of the game. I think that's a good thing for democracy. So my goal is to focus on the future, uh, and it seems like only liberals want to focus on the past. All right. I, I sort of agree, sort of disagree, but I'm, I'm, one more question. I want to ask you a couple more quick ones. Uh, sure. If you could do it over, would you have hired Justice Gableman? Would you have spent now upwards of one point something million dollars on that investigation in the manner that he conducted it? Well, let's start by saying that the reason that we had to spend so much money is because the attorney general, the Democratic Party, George Soros and the organizations he funds continually sued us and we had to defend ourselves. So the vast majority of the money has been spent on defending ourselves from liberal lawsuits. So, yes, if I had it to do over, I would say to all those liberals, let us do their investigation. Let's see what we find and don't sue us. So I couldn't control that. Do I think that Mike Gableman, who started out, I think, with the right idea, ended up in the right place? Absolutely not. What he did was embarrassing. I'm embarrassed in the way that he conducted himself. If I had it to do over, I would probably have chosen someone different. But at the same time, the investigation and the legitimacy of whether or not there were questions with the election, remember, prior to us hiring Justice Gableman, polling showed that more than half the people doubted the outcome of the 2020 election. So it wasn't some kind of a conspiracy theory. People really wondered. And I wanted to have an independent outside look to guarantee whether or not there was really problems with the election. We now know there were some problems. There's no doubt about that. Were they enough to overturn the election? Probably not. Probably didn't help that we had a major news network in the country who were saying things they knew were outright lies, but we'll let that one go. Last question for you. I only got about 30 seconds. Your political future, you're the longest serving Speaker of the Assembly. Is there a next step for you, or is this it? I've always told people this is my last best job. Um, look, the fact that I was able to win re-election in spite of Donald Trump coming and doing a rally against me and all the rest, I think goes to show that the people where I live, and I am blessed to represent them, my friends and neighbors, uh, think that I'm doing a good job. I hope that my caucus re-electing me as speaker shows that I'm effective. And I hope that if you're a conservative or an independent, you want somebody who is going to be able to stand up and fight to make sure that we have a state that we can all be proud of. I think that's where I've been, it's where I enjoy, and I hope to stay for a good long time. Always appreciate you taking the time to talk with our audience. Thanks, Steve. Have a good day. You too. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, great first hour.